Welcome to the Atlanta Sports Podcast, a recap of the week in Atlanta sports, created by Atlanta sports fans for Atlanta sports fans. Welcome to episode 46 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. It has been a while. I feel like since we recorded, there's some excuses from last week. I'll be liable for one of them. I went to bed one night at like 7.30. I was able every night last week to record. (laughs) That is a true story. Garrett's responsible for most of the other missings. (laughs) Yeah, I really can't remember what I was doing. I was pretty free all last week. Oh my gosh. I'm not sure what excuses I was using. I do think the best one is on Friday, I was going in. No matter what Garrett does, Jeremy, we're recording, Jeremy. We're, we're knocking an episode out on Friday night. And then my wife didn't have to work late, so we decided we'd watch a movie. And I was like, sorry, Jeremy, can't do it. I'm out. Jeremy had gone down in the basement while they were refinishing his floors. I couldn't go back up. <laughs> I was down there for two hours, so that was... <laughs> Which, I'm so confused how there's not a window you can't climb out. Yeah, this is a good time to uh, go mobile with this laptop, Jeremy, or whatever you've got here. Let's let's see the basement. I, I was really uh, hoping for a video of you trying to shimmy out a tiny little window. No, there's no window down here. <laughs> so I got a text message like an hour and a half later. I'm, I'm still in the basement. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> so I would like to apologize. Take this moment now, Jerry, to apologize for your traumatic two-hour lockdown experience. I mean, you probably did him a favor. Two hours without having to be around three kids. Well, I didn't have to see the floors for two hours, and they massacred our floors. So there's one positive, I guess. All right, so last week, though, and and leading into this week, we do have quite a bit of stuff to talk about as as far as sports go. I think we're most excited right now about the Hawks with all the changes and moves that they've made. But uh, Speak for for yourself. Is there even a number two on that list of what we're excited about in the land of sports? I got a rousing list of potential Falcons and GM candidates that's really got me excited. I am rarely interested. If you if you haven't checked us out on YouTube yet, you need to check us out on YouTube. We we've gone mobile. I've been kicked out of my office this evening, so I'm downstairs. Garrett Garrett has this Hugh Hefner yeah. look going on on this leather couch. <laughs> I really don't know what he's doing. Holding yeah, I've, his I've also, holding his tripod uh, microphone stand <laughs> in his hand. It's I'm, I'm in a I'm in a little bit of a transition. My office is being relocated. Currently, it's in our bedroom. And my wife kicked me out because she's tired. So I've, I've been banished to the couch for podcasting where, for the week. <laughs> where is your office being relocated to? I thought you just got relocated once already. No, I have not completely relocated. I was kicked out of my office. Okay. And now it's moving to another new location in the house. Reality is Jeremy has been the most consistent on this whole thing. I don't think he's missed an episode. Missed one, the one where, when I was in Georgia. I don't think that's true. Always in the same spot with the background. But yes, if you haven't checked us out on YouTube yet, just search the Atlanta Sports Podcast and you can find us. And uh, I'll go ahead and do my spiel now. We really like making the podcast, except for when we missed it last week. So if you haven't told a friend about it, 
please do, right? You got 680, you've got 929 the game in Atlanta. If you're listening to 929 the game, we don't even want you to listen. You got to, problems. Yeah, you've got, you got. We don't even want you to listen to the podcast. You used to give up. Uh, and, I got 99 problems, but the game ain't won. Yes, 929 the game is terrible. I, like, right? I actually like Mike Bell. I like Mike Bell. But he's teamed up with Carl so. Dukes, and that's just awful. take. Hot <laughs> take. So you got 680, but you, I mean, there's no. shows you don't want to listen to. So tell a friend, hey, when you don't want to, you don't want to listen to those shows. Kick over to uh, your podcast and turn on the Atlanta Sports Podcast. We would appreciate it. I got a question for people watching on YouTube. I'm raising my hand. Garrett, your hand. I'm not gonna lie. It looks like it's like you're <laughs> like like you're holding a fake hand in your sleeve. It's abnormally long looking. It's, this is very weird. I got I got large hands. <laughs> Um, you you really take shots at some of the local Atlanta radio stations. I do take shots on but at, at the same time you talk them up on Twitter, trying to feature us on late nights. <laughs> that is true. I, on six, I do like six eighty. I'm not ninety two on the game. I do not enjoy six eighty. I do like. I don't like the new rundown where Nick and Chris only get two hours. Yeah, Chuck and Churn off is fantastic. A, they should be getting a terrible hours, decision. Though. Like it really is. That's a that's the second best show on that station. It it is home team know. and 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 Hamilton is is difficult to listen to, and unfortunately, it, it's on during my Chick Fil A drink run in the morning, so it's a real problem. Yeah, I like I like home team. Okay, who I do not like is the Buck and Hud show. <laughs> you don't need that your Georgia brutal. update twenty four seven. No, that that's brutal. Like that show's brutal. So again, six eighty. We love you. We'd love to do a late night six eighty deal. So if you got a friend at six eighty, tell them they should feature our podcast in the evening instead of running that ESPN national stuff. So, but all right, let's jump into uh, into some actual sports, Garrett. I want to kick it off with you before we get into some of the games of your GM candidate search for the Atlanta Falcons, which I heard them hey, talking about on the radio again a little bit this morning. I got a solid list here. This is a current list updated uh, maybe two hours ago. Are there any names that we're going to know? Uh, there's a few names you'll know. Paul Johnson. <laughs> yeah, Paul. So I'll run down. This is an article here that's got a running list of the candidates. A little bit of background of them because who really knows GM candidates, what they do. Number one on the list, Terry Fontenot. Oh, Terry, Terry my boy. Yeah, your boy Terry, he's currently the vice president slash assistant GM for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so I'm going to skip on past him. Correct. Lewis Riddick. I think he's the most well-known name on this list. Current ESPN analyst, Monday Night Football. This confuses me because he's been out of the front office for quite some time. <laughs> and I feel like if you're really good, you're going to be in the front office with somebody right now. So I'm not excited about him. I think this next guy, Rick Smith, is the, is the candidate I'm most excited about. Woo! He's with the, he was with the Rick Texans Flair? for a while. Yeah, Rick Flair. He was with the Texans for a while. Made some pretty solid picks. That one you actually, they, we talked about. I'm actually, I'm bored there. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm on the, the higher yeah, Rick Smith I, bandwagon. I think the Texans had a, pretty good roster until they decided to hand it over to uh, Bill O'Brien. And we know how that worked out. 
There's this guy, Champ Champ Kelly. He's with the Bears and not exciting. Nothing. I don't need the Bears personnel people. Yeah, this guy, uh, Brad Holmes, he once interned with the Atlanta Hawks, which doesn't make sense, but he's now the the director of college scouting for the Rams. And he spent 16 years with the Rams. I don't – again, it's not doing anything for me. And the last guy on the list, Reggie McKenzie. He was the NFL's executive of the year in 2016. Currently senior personnel executive for the Dolphins Jeez. since 2019. I mean, the Dolphins are quite, on quite a turnaround. I mean, yeah, recently he, that is true. But he's only been there since yeah. 2019. Where was he before that? Uh, he spent seven years as a GM with the Raiders. And before that, he was with the Packers, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know that. I cannot confirm or deny. Uh, I well Look at Jeremy he throwing out some first, general manager knowledge. He was the team's first GM uh, after Al Davis made himself the GM in 1963. Uh, so with each of these guys, they kind of throw out key picks. So McKenzie says some of his key picks in Oakland was Derek Carr, Khalil Mack, and Omari Cooper, which sounds, hey, that's that's great. But I think you could say... Thomas Dimitrov, list of draft picks includes Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, Calvin Ridley. It's like, sure, yeah, everybody's yeah. got their hits. But so I don't know. I mean, none of that is exciting to me. Again, I don't I don't get excited for GM. There's there's this list of candidates. I don't know. I haven't seen a list of potential coaching candidates, which I'd be more excited in. That to me is the interesting that, part. Like we can, we can. You all, have to. You have two routes to go. Do you go GM who brings in a coach, or do you get a coach who wants their particular GM? Like, like uh, John Lynch right. and Shanahan did out it, in San Francisco. So it's, yeah, that's, that, that's exactly what I was going to point to. I think they're the kind of poster child for that duo that's worked so well together. They kind of came in together with the same vision, and they're struggling this year with injuries, but. So far, it's going pretty well for him. We can all agree that Raheem Morris will not be the coach after this year. Uh, absolutely not. After the Saints' loss, it's a no-go. Prior to the Saints' loss, if he'd won against the Saints and then and then had good showings moving on from there, I think that there was a chance he stayed. If if he said he was going to fire Dirk Cutter, because I think I think that's that writing's on the wall already. I think I he had a chance, but I, you, now he does not. You make Dirk Cutter the head coach so he can no longer be the offense coordinator. <laughs> that's that's really what they should have done, yeah, is make him the interim head coach so he could no longer call plays. He would have still called plays. He would have called no, plays as head coach. No, you wouldn't. No, because Raheem Morris isn't calling plays as a DC now. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But, but I, still, I don't know. The, the best way to get rid of Dirk Cutter is to get rid of Dirk Cutter. Yeah, yeah. So here I've heard some information today. It's just hand raising about, you do it. I'm raising my hand so you know I have a question. It's called being polite, Daniel. You're a teacher. You should understand what this means when I have my hand raised. <laughs> it's like this is new for you. So the news came out today, I think it was today, maybe late yesterday, that the Falcons would not be using a search committee for their coach or GM. Oh, no. 
are you are you more concerned with the hire now or less concerned? Because I who's it up to now? Rich McKay, obviously Arthur, but then Rich McKay. Yes, and I think that's a problem. Who was Rich McKay's last hire? Jeremy McKay. Hashtag no relation. His last hire. Oh jeez. Let me give Is you that, a hint. Uh, Arkansas. Smith? Oh, Bobby Trina. That was Rich McKay's last hire. So I don't know if we need to go down that road again. But that's it. I mean, they've already put it out there. They're not using the search committee. Oh, man. So it's Arthur. It's Rich McKay. I mean, who else in the organization has any input? I'd say nobody. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, whatever advisors Rich McKay may have, whether it's whoever's the head of scouting or, or whoever that may be. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, that's not it's not good. No, whatever it is, I'm I really don't have a high hope for this. And Arthur sort of passed. I, mean, I hate to say this, but Arthur sort of passed his prime as a as an owner. Uh, his days of being more involved and and his sort of willingness to spend and win, I think, I think are sort of behind him. I I don't know who's next in line in his family that he would pass those reins to. But I mean, the dude's like what is he eighty one? I believe. Um. I don't yeah Arthur's I love Arthur he's been a fantastic owner he's been the best owner in Atlanta sports maybe since Ted Turner but I think that buck is going to be passing soon to Tony again Ressler. that's that's not hard to do in the land of Liberty Media and that is, is it we had the spirit we had the spirit group oh, oh, man. Spirit that, was group the, and, that was the worst group in the history of sports I believe I mean, they I mean it's just they lost the Thrashers for the second time, which was impressive. Arthur Blank is only 78, so. Yeah, 78. He's the same age as, as current president-elect Joe Biden. Thank you for that fun fact. <laughs> yeah. All right, so are you all with me, though? The buck is sort of passing from... From Arthur Blank to Tony Wrestler, sort of transitionist from this general manager talk, maybe towards the Hawks bit. As the best owner, what are you? What's your question? Yeah, as, as the best owner, are you? Are, is Arthur still the best owner? Or have we have we transitioned that to say Tony Wrestler is the is the best owner we have in Atlanta? I mean, at least he's spent. I mean, I like the wrestler spending money. We'll see what you know. I think we have a decent. Oh. I really, I like Slink a lot. Arthur will spend money though. He spends money yeah. poorly. Wait, well, he doesn't spend it on uh, what's his name? Our left tackle, uh, Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. He also yeah, he also doesn't spend money on defensive ends that sack the quarterback. Again, that's not on him. He ponies <laughs> up the cash. I mean, can we talk uh, about our offensive know, line though? So, so we drafted two offensive linemen last year. Are we just going to have to totally rebuild the offensive line again? Because it's pathetic. Like That's correct. Mr. Hart problem himself. What you got to say about him now, Daniel? I've tried. Dude from the Pac-12, an offensive lineman out of Washington with a heart problem. I've, I've and tried to hold out hope and be positive with stoked. Caleb McGarry. I really have. He can't. He just doesn't seem to be able to have the skills to play. 
You can't do it. He really can't. Yeah, it's uh, well, we gotta blow. We gotta blow it up and start over, don't we? I mean, yeah. Max, as, I mean, you as Max is, he can't. Long term, you have one piece. Anymore. No, who? Who's your, who? Who's your one piece? The right guard. <laughs> you like Lindstrom a lot more than I do. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, well, I, I think mean, he's I'll, played. I think he's played good enough. And, and again, enough. it's hard to judge. Like. Again, I don't think McGeary, and he may turn it around, because usually what happens is as soon as I start to say a player is terrible and can't do it is when they really start to to turn it around. Uh, That seems to be my curse. But it's hard to judge really anything this season offensively or defensively because the coaching staff we haven't. And it sort of goes back to my argument I have with people about the Hawks and about the Falcons is coaching matters, and we don't have a good coaching staff with either of those teams. But you can judge Matthews. Matthews is awful. Like he's gotten Matt Ryan killed quite a few times where he doesn't even give him a chance. But McGarry's done the same thing. Like he hits his third step and there's a guy in his face. Like I don't even know how that's possible, how you can take three steps and you're already thinking I'm going to get murdered if I don't throw the ball. It it has it's been tough at times, but it's also often it's also play calling at times because we talked about this the other week that that Matt Ryan or that the, the, they call a play on on third and three, as a passing play, and players are running fifteen yard patterns and not run to the sticks. Like it's it's hard again. It's hard to make a judgment on on some of these things because of how bad the coaching staff is. At least offensive coordinator. I actually yeah, think Olbrich has done co- a pretty I mean, fantastic job. I mean, Cutter's awful. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us want Cutter back ever, but. I mean, you can't blame it all on Cutter. I mean, Matt Ryan hasn't been as good this year as he's been the last couple of years. I mean, his play has been down a good bit. I mean, a lot of his kind of numbers have came in just garbage time. Yeah. And when we've needed him to, you know, we need him to get a score at the end of the game. Well, I mean, that's a bad example because we ran the ball three times and gave, let him throw the ball in fourth and nine. But, <laughs> like, it's just, you know. The offense, the whole game, you know, it was just embarrassing for the money we put into that side of the ball. Yeah. Well, as bad when the announcer is saying the play calling isn't isn't good and not creative. Like you don't you don't hear that from announcers. And the announcers were well, were calling them out. To be fair, it was Jonathan Vilma who played for the <laughs> Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, a yeah, great announcing team. Yeah, it was the F squad we got. It, I heard a cut from, from Dirk Cutter. Talking about that kind of last series the Falcons had when uh, Todd Gurley thought he could catch the corner on the entire defense and got tackled for a seven yard loss on third down. Um, and Dirk Cutter was talking about how the play got blown up from the start. You know, obviously, Todd Gurley, he just needs to put his head down and take a one or two yard loss. Uh, but he's talking about how well that play had worked during the game. That, well, we'd run it five or six times successfully during the game, so we thought we had it. It's like that's such like a like a me playing Madden philosophy. Like, oh, this play always r- works for me. Yeah, I can run it against Jeremy's Velcro defense and get two yards for a first down all the time. Let me just keep running this play. Like, it's the National Football League. They know what's coming after you run it once or twice. You can't run it six or seven times in a game. <laughs> In a critical play, 
with the line we have with Todd Gurley in the game, you're trying to run up the middle against the Saints defense? It's not gonna work. And how I mean, how embarrassing is it for our defense too that Taysom Hill, who's basically a tight end, is just moving the ball up and down the field on us. It's just I mean, people are saying, Oh, the defense is playing well. I'm like, this is their back like this isn't Drew Brees, it's Taysom Hill. Like, there's no excuse for giving up the yardage and touchdowns we did to that guy twice in three weeks. All right. To be fair, the defense has played tremendously better under Ulbrich than it did under Dan Quinn. Look at Garrett's face. And we gave up 21 points to the Saints. Like, With their backup quarterback. I understand, but 21 points in an NFL game. You give up 21, you should still be able to win the game. And we're the Falcons. Like Giving up 21 points, that's a huge improvement. Right, so you got to still be able to win that game. You give up twenty-one to the Saints and Sean Payton. I say that's a pretty dark, pretty decent. What was it? The first record. game. Now there the, was the first game wasn't twenty-one points. No, the first game was embarrassing. The first I game wasn't twenty-one agree. points. That's the second time you've seen that offense in three weeks, and you don't do better than twenty-one points. Uh, I still take that as a win uh, again. I thought the defense did their job good I, enough. Now, there yeah, was times right. that I was I take it as a win because we lost and we get a better draft pick. <laughs> so, yes, it is a win. Like, I, I get frustrated watching the game, and it's like, yeah, how can you lose to Degum, Tim Tebow Jr. twice in three weeks? But that's what I want. I want them to lose. I want a better draft pick. I want us to lose to the Chargers. Let old sunshine... Throw the ball all over us. And, and I'm, I'm on board with that, that same philosophy. I agree. How do, how do you explain that Raiders game? Like, I mean, what what was that? Like, it's like the team we were expecting all year. I think it was just the Raiders. Showed up for one game. I think it was just the Raiders having a really bad day. Did the Raiders beat the Jets when I heard when I was listening the other day the Jets yes. were up. No, nah, they they want <laughs> Yeah, that's the reason why the Jets DC got fired. Oh, what am I thinking? I did <laughs> he he did a yeah. he did an all he, out blitz. Basically a zero zero blitz <laughs> at the end of the game. The Raiders hit a 30 35 yard touchdown pass to win. That was the stupidest call ever. That was called we really want the first pick. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not going to be around for That's what they should be doing, though. That's Greg Williams. Yeah, former Saints He's a terrible defensive coordinator. Unless he's paying people to hurt people, he's not doing so well. But, all right, so again, I thought the defense for the Falcons against the Saints this past game, I know Jerry disagrees. I thought they played decent, uh, above average for the Falcons. Um, When you don't give up 30, that's that's a pretty good day for the Falcons' defense. The only parts that frustrate me, and, and I think I talked to one of y'all about this already, was when it's third and, and 13 or third and 17 or third and 19, in most of those cases, other teams go, we're about to get the stop and get the ball back. Me, when I'm watching the Falcons and it's third and 13 or third and 17 or third and 19, I go, we're about to give up a first down. And every time we give up the first down, why is it that our defense can't stop people? Why do we not know where the sticks are? Because the Saints, they run to the sticks and we're playing five yards past the sticks, right? Like it drives me up the wall. And we can't cover anybody. 
It's coaching. Drives me up the wall. Terrible, terrible coaching. Like, has rushing three for us worked at all? Like one time this year? Like, no, I don't our success has been when we blitzed, and that's actually where yeah. we've seen Deion Jones become a bit of a football player again. They've been using him to blitz and cover, and he's been sort of everywhere again. It's had a little resurgence. Yeah. Well, that's why the Falcons' defense has progressed more these past few weeks because they're actually bringing blitzes and pressure and not trying to play that rush three and sit back in coverage and right. just get torn apart. Yep. If you don't have good cornerbacks, you shouldn't sit back and rely on your corners to you know maintain coverage. Like, it, yeah, and if AJ Terrell is going up against an above-average receiver, he's lost out there. Terrell's your best cornerback by far, but it's. Um, well, yeah, but he can't cover number one receiver. No, no. He's a rookie too, right? So like he's he's shown moments where you you have some bright spots with Terrell, but I agree he he got toasted by Thomas. Yeah, well, a lot of, a lot of talk, people get you? toasted by Thomas. Oliver gets toasted by uh, Emmanuel Sanders, fifteen years in the league, so. What was that, Gary? Is a good time to talk about Julio Jones. Yeah, talk about receivers toasting DBs. Julio Jones is legit. Are you just not coming to the unfortunately? Unfortunately, he's only legit like four plays a game because he's on the sidelines for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it's just you, you saw flashes during the Saints game. And again, it was their like third string cornerback, I think, on him because they had some injuries, which makes it even worse that our offense couldn't score points. But man, he can just work guys. I mean, it doesn't matter what the play call is; it doesn't matter what route he's running. If he, if he really, I feel like just buckles down. There's nobody that can stop him. Yeah, he's always. It's open. just Matt Ryan throwing in the ball every time, and he's going to win that matchup. And you've seen that a few games over his career. Where he's had 200-yard game. games. Yeah, against the Panthers and that one playoff against Green Bay, the NFC Championship game. We just can't be stopped. And he'll make a crazy well, – not even a crazy play. He'll just beat his man because he's a better athlete for a 25-yard pass. And he's on the sidelines for three, four plays. Yeah. You know, and then we'll get stopped and we'll have to punt. It's like, I think I I love the guy, but at a certain point, if you're not on the field, you're not doing anything for me. When they had the usage rates for the Falcons receivers last year, and I mean, it's been the same this year, so it's not like there's been any change, but like most of the other top receivers are on the field 85, 90% of the snaps. Julio and Ridley are on for like 65 to 70%. It's just like, you can't pay these players this much money if you're not going to have them on the field 85 to 90% of the time. Yeah, Dirk Cutter calling bunch offense with three tight ends on the field. Luke Stocker on the field. Yeah, one receiver that happens to be Zacchaeus for whatever reason. Yeah, I see a lot of... What are we... What are we doing? A lot of our fourth and fifth wide receiver on the field. We, I see a lot of Powell, a lot of Zacchaeus. Uh, I, I, 
I don't understand the usage rates like Jeremy's talking about. Julio's he's hurt this year, right? But unfortunately, he's hurt a lot of years. Uh, he's got the hamstring bothering him this year. I'd wish they'd just tell him to to pack it in, right? Go ahead and, and call it a season. Let's get the hamstring 100% going into next year and give it a go next year. Calvin Ridley's, though, he, he's he's got to be on the field more. And he's emerged, to me, as a 1A to Julio. Uh, his route running ability is tremendous. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing that we're going to go from Roddy White to Julio to Calvin Ridley. Hopefully we can do something in this span, but pretty impressive wide receiver trio that we've transitioned through. Yeah. yeah, we've had our three Who's, greatest receivers in team history in the last, you know, <laughs> fifteen years or whatever. We were, yeah. Who's a who's our uh, all pro tight end that you like, Daniel? Oh, jeez. This is Daniel. This pick gets worse. This trade gets worse and worse <laughs> every game. It's like I mean, I saw one play. I think it was third down where I'm going to blame it on him for running the wrong route. In the red zone, <laughs> he kind of did a curl route or post route instead of an out route to the sidelines, right where Matt Ryan put the ball. And then a little bit later in the game, I was actually listening to it on the radio, and the announcers just blasting him for missing a block. So he's also murdering my fantasy team. So your question I mean, is it just more hate on the fact that I like our uh, the move and I think that uh, he's got it, a chance. Yeah, I just hey, don't you want you to forget how much you like Tayden Hurst. First, second round pick. And how awful he is. Again, I can't judge. I can't judge too much of anything we're doing this season. Yeah, because can, how bad our offensive play calls have been. Like, how do you? How do you judge a, a player and his ability? It doesn't matter how bad the play call is if the receiver can't run the right route. That has nothing to do with also, the play call. Also, he was a backup tight end in Baltimore, and we traded a second-round pick for him. <laughs> we tra- What did we trade for Tony Gonzalez? Was, it, was that a first or a second-round pick? I mean, it w- I don't remember what we gave him for Tony Gonzalez. I mean, it wasn't enough. Whatever it was, good grief! I'd give it. Can we make a trade again and get him out of the booth? Yeah, uh, if I, I trade a second round pick for Tony Gonzalez today. <laughs> All right, I think we've we've beat the Falcons to death. Jeremy, when I sent him a text, to say what's going on? How do we lose the Saints again? Said that he he'd moved on to the Hawks. So let's do that. Let's hold on, hold on, Tony Gonzalez. Was acquired for a second round pick. I, I, thought, I thought it was a second round pick. <laughs> get next, let's judge Hayden Hurst next year, not kill the guy this year. I don't. I hope he's. I'd like to see Dob. I'd like to see Dobbins in a Falcons uniform, which you can't, unfortunately, because we traded for a tight end. All right. Let's let's stop beating a dead horse with the Falcons and my Hayden Hurst pick being okay the trade being okay and move over to the hawks who have a preseason game on friday uh which uh it's crazy to think we've got basketball starting up again when the bubble just ended like a month ago we just had our nba the the lakers winning the championship 
the Hawks season, we've talked a little bit about sort of the trades that they've made. Are y'all with me? And those trades are going to put them in the playoffs this year. Yes. Playoffs are bust. Well, that and the free, I mean, trades and free agent signings. Yeah, definitely. And half the league makes the playoffs. So. That is true. It's also true. All right. Where do you think they fall on the power rankings for ESPN? Is this a real thing? Are you about to tell us? The power rankings have yeah. come out. Preseason. Yeah, we're talking about How many, about how many teams ranking. are in the league? Hang on. I'm, I'm not everybody at once. 30. 30. I'll go 18. 16. 18 and 16. ESPN has them ranked 20. Oh, that's embarrassing. I think that's... I think that's super low, but I don't. I mean, with the trades that they made and the free agency stuff they did, and the the fact that that you're adding Clint Capella from last year who never even played. I mean, they've got the Wizards above us who who. I mean, they just brought in Westbrook, but. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the Wizards. <laughs> that was. The Wizards will be a better team. I, honestly, I don't know, man. You got yeah, the Grizzlies so. above us. The Pacers above Grizzlies us. Are better. They've got but. the Pelicans above us. I, no, I think we're. I mean, we should be fifteen or sixteen. Let's. Yeah, I'm with you there. So they've got us ranked. I think we're 20th. fifth or sixth seed. I'm interested, really. The most interesting thing to me in this preseason game is to see who comes out as the starting lineup because the team is... I mean, the guys haven't had that much time to practice and play together. I'm most interested to see who the starting lineup is when they come out and sort of that the rotation they try to work through. Uh, because I'm hearing that that uh, the thought is that Danilo Gallinari might not start, who's the power forward we, uh, we picked up in free agency that we paid more money to than any other player over 30 who'd never made the, the an all-star game. So I'd be yeah, shocked to see I don't him. Come you off don't the start bench, him. But... Great ownership. Great ownership. <laughs> Opening up pockets and spending money though. So mm-hmm. they're talking about him coming off the bench. And I I just don't see it. I think even though the dude's six ten or six nine, whatever Gallinari is. I just don't see him coming off the bench. I see him maybe starting at that small forward position like we've talked a little bit about before and Bogdan Bogdanovich as your two. You know, who came over came over from the Kings, but I don't I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts on that rotation? Are y'all are y'all as interested as I am in seeing what that looks like in the preseason, or do you think that doesn't matter at all? I mean I think the twentieth ranking is kind of embarrassing because basically we we've slept, we've put our the people who were starters last year for a lot of the cases into backup roles where where they are more you know fitted to be, and then you've brought in improvements in almost every position. So you know I'm I'm excited. I I don't know how you put Kalinari on the bench. He's got to be a starter to me if you're going to pay him that much money, and you know. I think, uh, I mean, I'm not even going to try to say the, the guard's name, but I'm excited to see him next to Trey Young. 
Yeah. To give you an idea of what Bogdan did going down the stretch uh, to finish off the uh, the season last year for the for the Kings, he had games of 35, 27, another game of 27, thrown in almost double digit assists, almost double digit rebounds. I mean, the dude is the dude is a player. He's fiery. Uh, watching some of his highlights, he's going to be a huge addition in Atlanta uh, with just sort of the way he plays the game. Um, I'm I'm really really excited about about the Hawks this year and what they're going to be able to do. I think the the Hawks are going to have a little fire in their belly too. Trey Young's been talking about how disrespected they feel with uh, not getting many national games. Primetime games. I know he's pointing out that the fact that the Hawks didn't get a game on MLK Day, the team in Atlanta, the birthplace of Martin Luther King Jr., didn't get a team, didn't get a game. And they brought out the new jerseys that have the Peachtree jerseys or whatever, the MLK jerseys. And they don't have a game on MLK Day. That is, that's a slap in the face. So I think, uh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, obviously you're bringing in new pieces. They they don't really have it too much tied to the Hawks, but someone like Trey Young and some of the other guys feel a little disrespected. Maybe we'll get them fired up for the season. Well, then, and we haven't seen Capella at all. Which, like Daniel said, I mean that's I'm excited to see him in the rotation as well. So I think he solves a lot of the issues we had last year rebounding defense, or at least helps. Which will be which are huge because we got killed on the glass last year. I mean that's. That's a huge deal to bring Capella in defensively and rebounding. And he doesn't have to have the ball, right? So on the other end of the floor, the dude's not somebody that has to have the ball in his hands. He's fine just being, you know, playing the the, the role of and doing the dirty work. Yeah, when the, when the Hawks start three and twelve, does uh, Lloyd Pierce get fired? Well, can I can we just go 12, ahead and do him a favor now and go ahead and fire <laughs> Lloyd Pierce now? I'll be all for it. So yeah, it's it, he's not the long term solution, and Hawks Twitter I'm sure will will attack me once the season gets going and I I start calling on Lloyd Pierce to be 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 fired. But I haven't seen it the, the player development that they all talk about. I haven't seen those players develop. So mm. I'm fine moving on from Lloyd Pierce, which is why I think they brought in uh, oh, I forget his they name, the guy from the Pacers. Jeremy answered, but he had to take a bite of ice cream. So Jeremy's taking an ice cream break. Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan. There we go. That's got to be soup by now. You had that ice cream like 40 minutes ago. No, it's still pretty solid. He's in New York. It's cold up there. (laughs) He's in the basement in New York. In the basement. (laughs) It's like an ice chest. All right, guys, any uh, any other news from the Brave side of things or uh, with our Falcons before we before we wrap up? It's amazing to be back on recording a podcast after a week off. I feel we feel a little uh, I feel a little discombobulated, a little lost. Yeah, uh, pretty much all squad on the Braves front. I mean, it's hard not knowing whether we're going to have DH or not because he makes Ozuna signing or, you know, whether or not we're going to sign him kind of murky. I mean, he's hard to sign if you don't have a DH. Yeah. We got the winter meetings going on right now. So hopefully uh, by the time we record next week, we might have some news we can, we can discuss on the Braves front. But how, how ridiculous is that? Is a league that 
you're not telling half the teams whether or not they're going to have a DH. I mean that. Well, they're saying such- they're saying right now to proceed as if there will be no DH. Is what the league's saying. But I, I mean, well, I don't get it. I don't know why you would go back to that. Like, who wants that? Like, who wants to watch pitchers flail around with a bat? And I think it's a money thing. I mean, the owners don't want to pony up for it because on the National League side, it's them paying out more money, basically fill an extra position. Yeah. But it also creates a disadvantage for the NL teams that don't normally have a DH because when you go to the World Series or when you go to interleague play, you know, you're you're basically sitting at, you're sticking in a platoon player instead of somebody that you could sign just for the reason like you would Azuna for be the DH. Right. I don't know. I, I think it's only one one more year that we have to deal with it. If if it's even for this next season, yeah. Then they'll they'll renegotiate the collective bargaining, and I'm confident we'll have a universal DH. Are they still doing the three three batter rule? Because that was kind of. Ooh, wacky. I don't know if they do. I hope they continue that. I, I enjoyed not seeing all the changes. And the matchups and the let me bring in a guy for one hitter. Yeah. I'll tell you what, maybe the most annoying thing for me when that Braves Dodger series was just the all the instant replay stops. I mean, I wish they could get that a little bit under control. I mean, it seemed like and get them right. There was times when it was like all right, that that's not conclusive and you just switched the call. Yeah. So that's one thing I like about the NFL. Like if the call is made that the dude was safe, if it's not conclusive evidence, obviously the NFL not safe, but like they're, the NFL, if they were looking at it, right? If it's not conclusive evidence that it was against what they called, then the play stays. I mean, the MLB is supposed to be the same though. I mean, it's the same logic, the same rules. It's just... They're bad at it. Yeah, they're bad at it and they want conspiracy. They want the Dodgers to be in the World Series. Well, also if you, you heard it here first, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do it on that level the way they are now, you got to do the strike zone too. Because when the strike zone's out of control, I mean, just having a a different level for each umpire coming in. I mean, it it was painful to watch a lot of that series. I mean, I'm ready for the robot umpire where it just you have the box. This is a strike. This is a ball. Like. All right, I have a new segment on the show, Garrett, that we need to that we need to do before we wrap up, and it's, it's focused around you, which is which is fitting because it I sort of looks it. like you're you're there as an audience member. Jeremy, you're a big part of this. Garrett, new segment of the show. Let's talk babies. Garrett, this is awkward. soon to be father of a second child Garrett Jeremy and I are here to answer all of your baby questions no pressure I don't, I don't, but you've got to at least ask one or else this segment doesn't work very well I don't know what you're going to tell me because I was dealing with babies way before you <laughs> is that your response is that all you've got here that's all I got this segment was a dud. We could have a college segment. We don't we don't normally touch on college athletics. Uh but we can 
we can discuss Georgia Tech, the recent uh, thumping of the University of Kentucky in men's basketball. I like how we only talk about college stuff when something good happens for Tech or something really bad happens at UGA. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. We don't have to talk about how Tech lost to Georgia State and Mercer. But, man, we really <laughs> took it to Kentucky. So, what's up, Big Blue Nation? So, is, is Georgia Tech ever going to get together on on either sport again? I mean, the football team football's, that's continued. I think football's on the way. Oof, They've got uh, some young studs. Their running back is – they would be playing at any power five yeah, school. Gibbs, Gibbs and Sims both are have a bright future. There's there's studs. It's just going to take another couple of years, I think, t- to really flip that roster and flip that offensive line. Yeah, football's moving. I'm with you. Football's moving in the right direction. Basketball. Basketball's not going to do anything with Josh Pastner. I hate to say that too. I was sort of excited about Josh Pastner. Garrett did he got not on feel board the, the same hype way. Train. Garrett, I have a question. Are you he currently t- watching television while you're recording? Could you continue to look up like you're completely uninterested in what's happening? I'm just checking my surroundings. Yeah, yeah sure, you uh, are. <laughs> no one's. Uh, oh man! Well, we let's were, not bore our listeners anymore as we have uh, lost uh, lost our focus as we roll into nine thirty. Which, based on the fact that I went to bed at seven thirty the other night, this is way past our bedtime. And with that, Garrett, pull the plug. Got it. I got to lean up. Uh, All right. See you later. That is it for episode 46 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. As always, thank you for listening and have a great week, Atlanta.